Uh, hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Universe. NFL Universe. Uh, we're joined by everyone today, which is quite the treat. It has not uh, happened yet. So we're joined by Matt. Hey. And we're joined by Max. Hello, everybody. And we're joined by Alec. Hey, guys. No favorites there, just how they came across my screen. But uh, just getting right into it, you know, not to waste anybody's time. Big week of football. Obviously, a lot of playoff implications. Uh, some interesting stuff to talk about. Going for the first game, uh, again, I think we're going to try and span over the games that weren't as important, especially ones that generally have no playoff implications or no giant pick implications. And I think that really classifies our first game. We had the Vikings and Lions. Uh, Lions uh, Vikings went rather 37 to 35. Vikings went to seven and nine. Lions moved to five and eleven. Uh, but neither team make the neither teams make the playoffs. Uh, neither teams are really in position to get a great pick. Um, obviously, the Lions are still without a head coach, and that's to be determined. And I think the Lions also also have to figure out their quarterback situation with Matt Stafford. You know, are they going to try to move on for him this draft? and try a complete rebuild? Are they going to try again with Matt Stafford? You know, questions there. Um, I, I honestly don't have anything else to say about that game. Do you guys? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like a game that I really think of. I don't know if, like, about you guys. It's just kind of like a game, like, oh, like, that happened. You know, like, it wasn't anything yeah, that I had I, too much of strong feelings about. Yeah, I got nothing to say on that front. Got it, got it. So, moving on from there, we have the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers win this one 44-27. Buccaneers are finished 11-5 record. Falcons moved to four and twelve. Obviously, with the Falcons, you know they had a couple hot weeks, um, and I would say they sort of cooled off here. And offensively, they did a pretty good job. And I think with how good I think their offense can be at times, it really puts them in a tough position on whether they want to move from Matt Ryan this year or the next year. Obviously, they're going to have to move on from him for rebuilding purposes, but also he's going to be a, a major cap hit. So that's a big question there for the Falcons. Um, on the Buccaneer side of things, I think this is the game that you really wanted to see out of them. Uh, 44 points, obviously a ton of points there. Tom Brady looking like classic Tom Brady, 399 yards, four touchdowns, an interception. Um, Ronald Jones, 70 yard, 78 yards rushing in the touchdown. You also had Antonio Brown with a fantastic game, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Godwin, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, this this Buccaneers team, they've been pretty good so far. And I think I think out of the playoff teams, I think they're they're honestly a threat. If they can play, if the Buccaneers play at the best of their ability, they can make definitely be a threat in the playoffs. Um, and I think the Bucks have played, you know, pretty well over these past couple games, and especially right here. Uh, I guess Matt, we'll start with you. What do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, I think the big story here, obviously, is with Mike Evans. I haven't, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't heard anything about his knee injury. Um, so I think that I'm not sure if it's like going to be like a long term thing. And I really am curious to see like how that turns out after he got, I believe, what is it, his seventh 1,000 yard receiving uh, season in a row. I think uh, that's one of the biggest stories coming out of this game. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I agree with you. I think that this Bucks seems to be really interesting come playoff time. I'm really going to be watching, I think, every Bucks game when I can, just because I'm going to be very curious because I don't know if they're going to win. You know, like if I'm if I'm watching, I, I don't know, like, let's see, like Bills, Bills, Colts, no offense to any Colts fans. I'm going to be like, OK, I think the Bills got this pretty handily. I'm not really going to watch this game. Not interested. But for the Bucks, I'm like, is this the game Tom Brady's going to completely just like fall apart or are they going to completely like you know burn every team along the way and get the super bowl you know i'm not sure but i'm definitely watching every single game from them got it i guess we'll head to maxon yeah one thing i wanted to say about that is um i think that mike evans being i was really 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 critical for them that was that was one of the games bucks and the football team that was one of the games that i was gonna say i thought the bucks wouldn't handle it but without mike evans you really they really are gonna if they don't have them they really gonna miss that red zone thread that he provides like to be fair, I don't. I didn't watch this game, so I don't really know how 
um, Tampa did without him. I knew they scored more points. I just didn't know how, where those points came from. But you know, without um, without him being there, are, how are they are they going to a lot of those touchdowns they score? Are they going to be converted to field goals? That could be really critical for them. So that's really really that's something you really got to watch out for. I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mike Evans is the story of the game, just the concern there going forward. But I was honestly really impressed. I know last week I said to you, Nick, I was like, I'm really looking into this game because they just play, played against the Detroit Lions and that secondary has nothing to show for it. Obviously the Falcons are a step up, but still nothing crazy, not a very good defense. Are they finally going to take advantage? Because the last time that they – played the Falcons, it wasn't anything really to speak of from the wide receiver core. Nothing really stood out. The fact that Evans went down in this game, and then there were huge games by both Godwin and Antonio Brown in this one, a ton of targets for each. The fact that Brady was able to find them, we hadn't seen AB be a threat until this game. Perfect timing. And listen, the Washington football team is probably one of, if not the weakest team that's in the playoffs. So it's a really nice game for them to get together and gear up for their second round opponent and really lay into them. And if Mike Evans does miss, hopefully they'll have some time to get him really healthy for that second round game. But they looked very good on the offensive end. It was all cylinders were hitting in this game like they should be. And that's what I expected and have been looking for from this team all year long, honestly. I think the biggest X factor is always Tom Brady. As long as they have Tom Brady, you know, this team could be competitive. They have, a, a nice deep layer of weapons. And I, again, with Tom Brady at the helm, you know, obviously Mike Evans has been his go-to red zone threat, but I think he can find a replacement like he did in this game. Um, with that being said, talking about the Washington football team with how good their secondary, I think has played probably above their talent level and how good their defensive line is. It should be a, a decent test. I think a good warm up for the second round opponent, as Alec had said. Um, but again, really interesting team. Uh, it should be interesting to see where they go. Uh, so moving on from there, we have the Jets and the Patriots. Patriots won this one 28 to 14. Patriots finished the year at seven and nine. Jets uh, finished at two and 14. We knew the Patriots weren't going to be in the playoffs. So there's really no surprises here. Cam Newton had a solid game with 242 yards and three touchdowns, but it still leaves a lot of questions at the quarterback position. I don't think Cam played well at all this year. Um, you know, I, I definitely think the Patriots need to have a lot of rebuilding to do. Uh, and it should be interesting to see, you know, they're going to have a middle of the round pick. Um, I honestly could see the, the Patriots going with somebody like Kyle Pitts from Florida, where you have, you know, that, that, that tight end threat, he's also sort of a wide receiver threat. You know, just a really talented receiver. Uh, adds a lot of depth to the Patriots. And if the Patriots aren't in a position to draft a really good quarterback or Vavilichek doesn't like what's available, you know, I think it's definitely a spot for them. I'm not they're officially at 7-9. and nine. Um, And then you have the Jets at 2-14. and 14. We know what their situation is. Uh, officially, they fired Adam Gase. And it should be interesting to see, you know, who takes over that position. Uh, the Jets franchise is obviously a mess. And we actually had a little conversation in our – group chat about it. Um, so right now the Jets sit in 2021 with set over $73 million in cap space. They had two first round picks. One of those being um, via the Seahawks with the uh, Jamal Adams trade. You have this, you one second round pick. You have two third rounders and five fourth, seventh rounders. So, you know, ample amount of picks in this upcoming year. Um, they right now have the second overall pick. It seems like they're going to draft Justin Fields after he had that monster game uh, against Clemson. And they have a good amount of cap space, which, you know, they're not, they're not in a terrible situation. Uh, but the franchise itself is, is a really tough situation. So uh, probably not my favorite choice uh, for, and I'll get to that later, uh, to be a head coach for moving into the future if you had to pick a uh, head coaching vacancy. Uh, but the Jets, you know, they have they have something going for them. You know, I think, again, the cap space, the picks, um, and, and, you know, I think 
I think it goes without saying the market with them being in New York, you know, there, there's some intrigue there to see if they can actually pick the right head coach this time. Cause I said from day one with Adam Gase that he was not going to be the answer. And I think I proved myself right there, or I guess the Jets and Adam Gase proved me right. Uh, Matt. Yeah. Um, on the Jets side, I just wanted to like say that this is the stat that I've just been thinking about for like ever since the game ended. Is that this is the first game in five years where the Jets scored an offensive touchdown in Foxborough? Like Jesus Christ! Like I don't understand like how poor your offense has to be to every single time you go to Foxborough for the last five years to not have a single offensive touchdown. But that's besides the point. I also think that this game as a whole kind of has just like sealed the deal on Sam Darn. I wonder what you guys think, but I really think that you know any sort of hope of the of this franchise keeping him has kind of like gone away now after only scoring 14 points on a really bad Patriots team. You know, this, this defense hasn't been great for the Patriots like all season really. And I mean, after, I mean, I know Buffalo's a much better team, but after losing 30 to nine to Buffalo the week before you think that, you know, the Jets at least put up some more fight in them for the final game of their season, especially because, you know, like they're not still competing for the first overall pick. So you can't really argue they're going to be like tanking or anything. So you expect them to put up a little bit more fight. And instead Sam Darnold, you know, throws for a touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, the team just doesn't really look like after it gets up 14 to seven, I believe um, early in the third quarter, uh, they just kind of fall apart from there. So, I don't really know if the Jets, I mean, I think they're in a good spot, but I think Sam Darnold and Adam Gase's tenure obviously is coming to a close and it's good for all Jets fans. Yeah, definitely Sam Darnold is not the answer there moving forward. And I just, even even then, I don't think it's coming down to like one or two games. I think it comes down to the whole thing where I think the organization has really failed him. Not saying that he's blameless here, but I just think his confidence is completely gone. Maybe not completely. I could see him potentially going up on a new team doing better but just with the way it is now they seem to change of change of scenery and i think this whole year has proven that yeah a change of scenery would definitely be nice for him i mean i said to nick last nick and max last week about this how Darnold might if he's paired with a new coach maybe it taps that potential that's there right we saw that happen with Derek carr we've seen it with other people and not to say that Derek Carr is not an elite quarterback, but he's certainly better than he has been in the past. So if there's a new coach that could pair with Darnold's for that confidence to shine, that's an option. But I think you're right, Max. I think that a change of scenery is really what he needs here because I don't really know if the Jets are now in a position that they say, you know what, let's roll the dice another year. I just don't see it from that angle. And because of that, I think it's just best they move on. But I do have faith that Darnold with someone else could be a successful quarterback in the league i really do see here's the thing though also like i just want to point out that sam darnold um it's like it's not really about skill to him also worry about is that for me personally right like if i was a jets fan um he also like has the last year's contract coming up next year so even if he is better next year like are you willing to pay sam darnold like league average salary after like one good year in 2021 if that hypothetically happens because the other scenario is that you get rid of him right and you could just move on and get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, which have higher ceilings. And if either of them perform very well their first year, you still have them for another four to five years under that rookie deal, which is really important for future, you know, um, building teams. And also, I want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, we've been covering this probably a little longer than we should, but I just want to say one more thing. You know, if say the Jets do roll the, the dice and say give them another year, which I don't think they're going to do, but what if they did? And Donald had a good year. Well, then you're sitting there asking the question where. Is he good or is he bad? And the team, I think, is never in a good spot where you have to ask that question, especially in year four of him being a starter. Usually in that case, the answer is no when you're really questioning. So they, they're they better off 
because I don't think they're going to be in a position where they say for sure, yeah, he's got the future. Just just better off letting him go now, so they don't have to ask him that question and potentially handcuff themselves even longer. Yeah, I think he's been too talented of a quarterback in the NFL. You know, he's shown too much promise to not get another NFL start. As well as he's been relatively responsible, so he probably will get a job somewhere else. And I totally agree with you guys. I think his tenure as a Jet seems to be coming to an end. The salary cap wouldn't really match up. They'd rather spend that salary elsewhere, especially when they can get a quarterback with higher with the higher ceiling. Um, with that being said, moving on to the next game, we have the Bills and the Dolphins. This one with huge playoff implications, and I think it really says a lot about the Bills. Um, Bills win it 56 to 26, 30, whopping 30 points. Obviously, 56 put, points put up by the Bills. A uh, huge second quarter, 28 points scored there. Huge fourth quarter, 21 points scored there. Uh, Bills finished the year 13-3. and three, And Dolphins moved, finished the year 10-6. and six, And as a result, the Dolphins do miss the playoffs. They were the one 10-5 team that suffered a loss against a really good Bills team. Um, and unfortunately, they did not make the playoffs. Starting off with the Bills, spectacular game out of them, right? Offensively, uh, Josh Allen was really good. Uh, 224 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Barkley stepped in. He was okay. 164 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, and then rushing wise, I think they were okay. Uh, 62, three yards with two touchdowns out of Williams. Um, you know, I think they were okay this game in terms of, you know, in, in particular players, but I just think, I just think this Bills team is just so talented in the way they've been playing. I, you know, I, I've been saying it over the past couple of podcasts that I think they are the best team in the NFL. And I think this really helps me solidify that. Um, they, they are the team to beat going into this playoffs just because they are so hot and talented. Um, you know, obviously the Chiefs trail right behind, but wow, these Bills team, I'm really impressed, and they're my Super Bowl favorites right now. And the Dolphins side of things, obviously this knocks them out of the playoffs, which is unfortunate. However, looking at the Dolphins, right, this wasn't supposed to be their year anyway. This was supposed to be sort of a rebuilding year, and they've overperformed expectations, and I think that says a lot about Brian Flores and, and this, you know, Xavier Howard, a fantastic year. There's a lot of promise about this Dolphins team. They're young, they're talented, they're well-coached, um, and I think, you know, looking at the draft, they have an excellent draft spot. They're at three right now. Um, and, and it's really interesting to see what they do at three because they have the three via the Texans. Um, and you know, I just I've seen a lot of talk, I guess, across social media about replacing Tua, which doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, it was his rookie year, and you know, with them being a three that you know, and Tua being okay and having that injury, there's some concern there, and then constantly subbing him out. I just don't see it personally. I think Tua performed very well this year, and obviously, having no offseason coming off of that hip injury. Um, it was a hip or a leg. I can't forget. I think, I think it was yeah, like, it was a hip, it was a hip. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has been so far behind me now. Um, but I, I, I saw a lot of promise out of Tua and I think, you know, they got rid of their offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think, I think at this number three spot, I think they're really in a trade back spot. Personally, they're more in need of wide receiver help than anything else. If they're going to pick a three, but I go to Penny Sewell and help protect Tua. If not trade back, there's a lot of wide receiver talent. And I think that's your number two, uh, need and then you know maybe if you trade back you get some more elite first round uh second round talent out of it maybe like a pass rusher again this this Dolphins team a 10 and 6 not a bad year if you're a Dolphins fan you got to be really happy with the result overall that was gonna be really tough for them to win this Bills Bills game and they didn't they're in a really good spot for the draft uh again young team uh, a lot of talent a lot of promise looking forward Matt yeah, honestly, if the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl, I think you're going to see the city of Buffalo burn down over the next couple of months if that happens. But um, they're going to be so excited if that actually does come to fruition. But yeah, I honestly think that this Dolphins team, while they were excited for this game and maybe they would, maybe the Bills rest their starters, you know, et cetera, they could get to the playoffs. 
they just ran into a buzzsaw of a Bills team. This team could have been, you know, 14 to 2, 15 to 1 if they had their cards right at some point. You know, they were one, they're one Hail Murray away from being 14 to 2. Let's not remember, let's not forget that, as well as also having that somewhat close, close Chiefs game uh, early in the season. So um, this Buffalo Bills team has been fantastic across the board. But yeah, the Dolphins fan, this isn't the best. Uh, scenario when you're ending the season you know like the, it's not the loss part that matters it's the fact that Tua played somewhat poorly I mean according to the stat sheet and also when you look at the actual interceptions he threw two of them you could argue were his fault mostly um, so I mean it's just like you're going to get this media circulation for the next couple of months it's going to be like do they replace Tua do they replace Tua I don't think so I mean like I think we're all in agreement here I don't I don't know if any of us really agree that they should replace him but I mean you're not really a good NFL team. You're not doing your due diligence on every position. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you see them, you know, maybe looking at Zach Wilson, looking at, you know, Justin Fields, just, just looking at them, you know, just to see like, okay, like what promise do they have? But I think honestly that they're going to stay the course and see next year how Tua is because Chan Gailey, who got fired recently, he built an offense that's mainly designed for Fitzpatrick and not really suited towards Tua Tagovailoa's, you know, needs or skill set exactly. And the offense itself was 22nd in the league um, when Chan Gailey was running it. So I'm, I'm sad I didn't get to see Fitz Magic at the end of this game. Maybe there would have been something there. But um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a def- an interesting offseason for Dolphins fans. But I, I honestly think if if they're at three, right, and they don't want Penny Swool and they want, um, you know, Jamar Chase, or I know this sounds crazy, right? The tight end at three, but you know, Kyle Pitts or just somebody and they can't find a trade partner. Then, you know, get your guy too. Um, I mean, I, I don't know about how you guys feel about any of that, but I just think at that point, you just got to get your guy too. If they think that that might be better for their team. Yeah. I personally d- definitely see them sticking with Tua, not just because of what Chris Greer said, because he came out and said, we're going to stay with him. But you look at all the pieces around him Tua still had a winning record at the end of the day. I don't remember what it was, and even in the games where he struggled, I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to be a little, little in, inconsistent. And the bigger picture is he played well. So, I mean, I, I don't think you should place him just one year where he stepped in midway through. And also, you know, with the offensive coordinator being fired. And also, like we keep saying, they don't have that true number one receiver. Like Devontae Parker is a good player, but I don't think he's a he's nowhere near a franchise-changing player. And nothing like you're going to see – in like the top 10 picks of this draft where you've got um, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, even you can make an argument for Jalen Waddle being up there. I personally would love to see um, them repair Tua and Devontae Smith. I think that'd be great because they did so well in college. You get that chemistry chemistry going again. I think that has potentially one of the best offenses in the league. And you've got Devontae Parker, what I think would be one of the higher end number two receivers. Yes, yeah, so I first want to go off with Tua – Everyone's going to question a rookie quarterback regardless of what happens, really. We had Lamar Jackson went 6-2, and 6-3, and three, and there were question marks about him right then and there. And the next year, he's an MVP candidate and wins the MVP award. Tua was going to get questioned regardless. And the truth of the matter is, you just got to let him go and see what happens. You need a bigger sample size on him. You really need to see that potential if it comes out or if it doesn't. And to add on to what you said, Max – 100%. If you got that elite wide receiver, Devontae Parker looks like a fantastic number two option. And also, the Miami Dolphins have already traded with the Texans before, and they've already done very well by getting this third overall pick. What if they picked up the phone and called them again? And I know he said that he won't do any more trades, but if they called to see if Brandon Cooks, if they could get some value there, 
Brandon Cooks is coming off of his a great year where he did not get injured to the extent that he typically does. It's always a concern with him. And the Texans know that too. So if they could try to get some type of draft pick in compensation, especially that they are down so many draft picks, obviously they're not going to get a first, second, third, or third pick, third round pick for Brandon Cooks. But if they could finesse two later round picks in regard for a wide receiver that often gets hurt but does have elite playmaking ability wow all of a sudden you have three solid receivers in Miami looks like a completely new outlook for this team and that's something I personally would love to see him be very excited about yeah the only thing I worry about though is that um I think I don't know if you guys saw recently Brandon Cooks was like that if he he, he's gonna refuse to get traded I don't know how it's gonna work because he doesn't have an empty trade clause but uh, definitely puts a damper on any value the Texans could trade him for because just the fact exactly. that the player threatens to get you know yeah benched or retired. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to, Matt. He's he came out with that, and it kind of made me say, listen, the Texans already know that that's an option for them with this receiver is to shop him. He's constantly being shopped because of value, because of the injury concern. But Brandon Cooks said that is he would he retire? I don't know. Also, you have to remember Brandon Cooks and Brian Flores go back in New England together. That's so true. Maybe, yeah. maybe that would be a connection that all of a sudden, you know, changes his mind a little bit. And it's, I think it would be a great option personally for Cooks. You know, we'll see what happens if that's just air. I'm just throw. I'm dart throwing, really. I'm dart throwing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I personally see like the most likely trade option is probably going to be the Bengals with, with oh, them really? at, with, with the Dolphins, with the Dolphins at three their most likely choice right there, if they're going to stick at three, would be Penny Sewell. And obviously, I think it's it's going to be without said saying that the Bengals are going to really want Penny Sewell. You know, he's really that 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 offensive lineman option. You know, whether they want to move him to tackle or guard, they're probably going to play him at tackle. He's built more like a guard, but he's good you know, in terms of athleticism. But he, he obviously could play tackle mm-hmm. fantastically. You know, I think he's head and shoulders above every other offensive lineman. I think that's probably the Bengals' biggest need to protect Joe Burrow. So I think the Bengals are probably desperate to trade up to ensure that they get Sewell. So I think if there's going to be a trade, I'd probably be the trade that I'd go with. I think it's probably the most likely route that's going to happen if the Dolphins trade back. I think the Bengals are going to try and move up to three. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And I've been saying, we haven't, I haven't said on here, but I've been saying to people I know, I think that trade, I wouldn't call it a lot, but I think that's almost something that has to happen because you're the Dolphins, you want a wide mm-hmm. receiver, and the Bengals, you need, if there's one thing the Bengals have not had, it's a good offensive line. And if you if you have a potential franchise changing tackle, you you have to do everything you can to put your hand get your hands on him, unless or else risk Joe Burrow potentially getting injured like that again. He can't continue to take hits like he did and get injured like he did. So mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect perfect um, fit for both teams. You know, I think both teams' needs don't exactly align with where they are right now. So I think they really should make that happen. I think both teams would be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking at still the Dolphins draft picks, you move back to five uh, with the Bengals trade, right? And you get some sort of second round compensation or whatever you get out of it. Um, you know, again, the Dolphins at five could pick Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. They have that option. And then they have another pick at 18. And if they still want an offensive lineman, they, they can go and, you know, quote unquote, reach for one. Or if they find a guy that they really like, they could still pick that guy at 18. So it offers them a lot of versatility, I think, but they ensure that they get that really good, talented wide receiver with that trade. So, uh, you know, going off what Max said and what I said earlier, I, th- I just think it makes a ton of sense for both teams. Um, that being said, we're going to move on to the next game, I guess. 
Uh, Dolph, uh, sorry, we have the Browns and the Steelers, another big playoff implication game. Browns won it 24 to 22. Uh, Browns moved to 11 and five, make the playoffs. Uh, Steelers moved to 12 and four, uh, still make the playoffs. Obviously, they won their division. Um, you know, this game was really interesting. Uh, a, the Browns made the playoffs, right? That's huge for them. Cleveland hasn't been to the playoffs since 2002. They've been in search for this for so, so long. Gone through tons of quarterbacks, no uh, 16 season. So for Cleveland and the Browns franchise, you know, this is a huge victory. No matter what they do in the playoffs, you know, just getting back to that point is really fantastic. Um, you know, I think overall this game, it does scare me for the Browns' playoff hopes. Uh, the Steelers started Mason Rudolph at quarterback, uh, resting a lot of their, their, you know, obviously resting Big Ben. Uh, Rudolph, t- t- uh, 315 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Connor played, uh, Claypool played. But again, they, they were pretty limited, uh, I think, on minutes. Uh, the Steelers team, you know, again, they were sort of rested up, resting up for this game because they already made the playoffs and really wasn't going to change anything for them. Um, and the Browns hardly beat them. I, I think, you know, if the Browns were going to do want to win deep into the playoffs, they're going to have to do better against a rested Steelers team like this. Um, and I, it sort of gives me hopes for the Steelers, too, because, again, without Big Ben, they, they were, you know, as if he as he can be, this, especially this season, his age, I think Mason Rudolph pretty much proved last year when he stepped in for Big Ben that he is – he is not a talented enough quarterback to, to really lead the, the Steelers to anywhere. Um, so, and the fact that they did keep it so close does concern me for the play, the Browns' playoff chances. Um, and, and you know, that's all I really got to say, uh, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it it was a little bit concerning how close it got. I mean, not for me because I'm a Steelers fan, but uh, for Browns fans, I'm sure it was a little bit concerning. That being said, though, it's I mean, they're playing with house money at this point. If you were if you're a Browns fan, you didn't expect to be competitive all the way down to Week 17. I mean, even if even if they lost that game, right? I mean, like it would have been obviously a disappointment, but you know, it still would have been overall a successful season. You know, this Browns team, Browns teams have like very rarely been competitive this far down the stretch. So if they win this playoff game, awesome. If they don't still awesome for them. I mean, they made the first playoff since like, what, what was it? 2002, I think, or something like that. Since that, since they made the playoffs last time. So definitely a good season overall for the Browns. And I'm just really curious to see where they go from here, but they're probably going to go. I, I figured, all defense this draft, you know, like it seems like that's really where their liabilities lie. Um, and I'm just going to be curious. We seem to forget what's going to happen with Odell. I figured they'll keep him. I mean, but you know, it's so curious what's going to happen. Yeah. The thing about this game is like, it was pretty close, probably closer than it really should have been with Mason Rudolph starting. But one thing I will say, he was throwing the deep ball pretty well in that game. I'm not saying he's going to, I'm not going to sit here and make the argument he's a better quarterback than Big Ben. But with Big Ben's elbow, he's not going to throw the ball very far down the field. So, I mean, so how how much of how much of an upgrade really is it at this point, especially with him not playing well? I mean, yeah, it's that's a pretty hot take, but you got to think like it's how good is the Steelers' offense really going to be, and especially with without a run game too. I mean, I really, I really still think the Browns could win this. Although I think the bigger story for them is. Um, Kevin Stefanski testing positive for the virus. and They still continue to get wrecked by COVID. They had no positives today Today, as we're recording this on Wednesday night. But what's going to happen for them going into the weekend? It's really something to watch for. Hopefully nothing else happens. Yeah, I mean, it's you guys hit the nail on the head here. I mean, I'm not going to go into it a little bit more about how it was surprising, how close it was. I mean, we knew going into the game that Big Ben was wasn't playing so I thought it would just be a brown celebration from after the first quarter and that wasn't the case at all like you said Max very curious what's going on to happen coaching wise going into this game 
Hopefully they take care of all of their players so we don't have an outbreak on the fields with the players like we had a few weeks ago. And this rematch, I think, is going to be interesting, honestly. Just the run game for the Steelers I've talked about the last few weeks, just non-existent. So I think they're really evenly matched, and I'm very curious what's going to happen if Baker Mayfield continues to have this uh, little connection that he's finally had with Austin Hooper. Hopefully that continues. That would definitely keep the game close without it. I think he's the X actor for the team, honestly. So without it, I see, think it's a Steelers win. Yeah, without Kevin Stefanski, he's been a huge part of that Cleveland Browns team. If they don't have him for the first round of the playoffs because of COVID, um, which is seeming to be the case at this point, obviously he tested positive and I think he's been ruled out at this point. That's going to be a pretty big loss for them. Um, so moving on from there, the Giants and the Cowboys. The Giants won, wound up winning this one 23-19. Cowboys blew it again. Uh, knocking the play the Cowboys out of the playoffs when this game occurred. Um, unfortunately, the Giants got knocked out of the playoffs a little bit later. Uh, both teams finished at six and ten. Uh, pretty interesting game. Obviously, Dallas blew it again. Um, you know, Giants side. I think the Giants have a lot to look forward to next year. Uh, they played pretty well this year, especially defensively. So I'm pretty excited as a Giants fan to see what happens next year. Um, hopefully, we get rid of Evan Ingram. That guy just drops every pass. I. <laughs> um, and then Daniel Jones has been—he's been—he's had a solid year this year. You know, I was watching um, one of my favorite podcasters. Uh, his name is Zach Schulmer with Strong Opinion Sports. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him. No. Nah. Um, and apparently, uh, I definitely recommend checking him out. He's—he's he's pretty good. Um, apparently, one of his viewers submitted that Daniel Jones is kind of like frozen pizza, where you know the best quarterbacks in the NFL are pizza, and you're craving pizza, right? But a frozen pizza will get the job done. But it's—it's it's not your first choice. Um, which which is is pretty interesting to, to think, and I think it kind of kind of caps caps. Uh, I don't know the word you know encapsulates Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah encapsulates. There you go. Uh, and Daniel Jones as a whole, where he's like he's pretty solid, but he just he doesn't seem like he's going to have that X factor. But at the same time, he hasn't played horribly either. I think he had an okay year. Um, you know, if he can make a step forward in this offseason and come out in his third year and perform really well, I'll be excited as a Giants fan, obviously. Um, yeah, but we'll have to see. And on the Cowboys side of things, obviously, uh, they're they're out of the playoffs again. I think that they were way too talented, especially this season, to miss out on the playoffs, and it's going to be a major bummer for them. Uh, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see what they do in the draft, and obviously they're going to want to get Dak back nice and healthy for the next season. Now, other than that, the Cowboys, yet again, out of the playoffs, despite having, I think, by far the most talented roster in the NFC East. Matt? Yeah, uh, injuries really did them in, and also just having, I guess, like a – gaping hole on defense for the Cowboys. I mean, you know, they, they definitely had a talented roster, but this is like the best thing that could happen to Dak. I mean, minus like having like like a 7,000 yard passing or 7,000 passing yard season or something crazy because um, like, y- you know, you, you go out with injury and then the team immediately starts, you know, sucking for the rest of the way. And then you can go to Jerry Jones and be like, look, like this is my effect on this team. So like, if you don't pay me, I'm leaving. Um, but on the other side of the things with quarterback wise for Daniel Jones, uh, I, I, I like the frozen pizza analogy. I'm just curious what you would equivalent all his fumbles to, because like, my God, this guy just fumbles all the time. I, I didn't see this game too much. I was watching the Jets game instead because I wanted to see if they actually would do anything with their offense, but, um, I wasn't sure how many fumbles he had, but it, he's been having them constantly just keeps like coughing up the ball. Uh, I mean, he had, he had 11 passing touchdowns this year, 10 interceptions. Um, I mean, you know, like you, you know, get him a get him another receiver next year, you know, this upcoming draft, you know, maybe solidify that offense a little bit more. But 
I mean, if he doesn't do anything next year, man, I mean, it's kind of like Drew Locke. Like, he's just kind of like, I, I don't really know. You got to get rid of him at some point if he's not doing it next year. If you put everything around him, he's still coughing up the football. Again, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. You know, I, I'm, I never like to root against players, but I'm just, you know, curious on like where he's going to end up after this because of, you know, like it's kind of, it reminds me kind of like a Drew Locke situation where if they start putting weapons around him and they got Saquon Barkley, potentially like, a, you know, like a Kenny Galladay or a Jamar Chase or somebody on the outside that's like an elite level talent, Darius Slayton. And it's like, when is the team going to start producing? Because another six and 10 seasons not going to cut it. One thing I want to mention about Daniel Jones is, yeah, well, the fumbles I think are the most concerning thing, but kind of like Tua, he doesn't really have that supporting cast that he really should have between Evan Ingram dropping balls all the time. And also yeah, <laughs> Ster- Sterling Shepard, um, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate are all good players, but I wouldn't call them game changers by any means. And I'm not going to speak for Giants fans here, but if I were a fan, I'd be kind of glad that they didn't make it in the playoffs because I really think what's more important is getting a um, really good draft pick. And I think they are in a good position to potentially draft Jalen Waddle. And I was potentially looking at them to draft Kyle Pitts, and I was talking to one of my friends who's also a Giants fan. I'm back from school, but he also, but he said something like, um, "Pitts is, um, he wouldn't want Pitts because he's essentially like an Evan Ingram clone, not like the exact same player, but but they play a similar style. Hopefully, Pitts could catch the ball better. But anyway, get what I'm saying, and I don't think Pitts would be available for the Giants to draft at 18 or whatever it would be if they were the first team out of the playoffs. So, so like I really. That's got to be – and how much cap space do the Giants have? I, I don't know that. Uh, I'll check real quick. Uh, I think it, it, I don't think they have too much, Nick. Do you know by any chance? Alec? Okay, okay. So, they, so they really got to um, look at the draft here, and that's where I think um, where they are. I think it's got to be around eight or somewhere. Anyway, they are in really good position, I think, to get snatch Jalen Waddle off the board. So I really think that's something they got to do. Uh, just to bring up this before Alec goes uh, – Dallas is at 10 and Giants are at 11 in terms of draft picks. Okay. I think, right. by the way, they have, they have $16 million in cap space for next year. Uh, and then they have, and then they have a high, they have to resign. I'm not question. sure. But then, but then after that though, in 2022, they have 113 million. And then, Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, after that, and then after that, 204 million. So, you know, it is what it is. They're going to resign people obviously through that, but just, you know, wow. Which is beautiful okay. news. Which That's just beautiful news. Cause that's the exact contract length of time and the amount of money that we need for an elite receiver like Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay <laughs> will bring out the question mark, make it no longer a question mark for you, Matt. It's not a, is he drew lock like Daniel Jones? No, all of a sudden Daniel Jones is going to be a valuable quarterback in the league with that a one, the best receiver in football. Nobody knows it. Nobody <laughs> knows it because he never played this year because he said, Screw you, Lions. You know what? I'm just going to make sure I'm healthy because I'm going to look really good in that blue jersey out in Matlands. He's all about it. He's going to be here. I'm telling you right now, Kenny Galladay is going to make this team next level. Nice little nine and seven year next year. That's all the team needs. We know that the division is crap every year. Nine and seven. Kenny Galladay coming through playoff run. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean the guy. The guys get. I love this like this energy towards Ken Galladay because I actually wasn't thinking about him before this podcast. Before this podcast started, and you were telling me all about Kenny Galladay and you know potentially going to the the Giants. And I don't really know if there's any rumors anything going towards it, but just thinking about it, I'm like, damn, that'd be a, definitely a great spot for him too. And they definitely, I think they would pay up for him. I mean, if you get a you know 16 million dollar range, I'm looking right now. That's like Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen money. 
Uh, I think I would probably have Kenny Galladay over all three of them. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I would no, love in all seriousness, it. 100%, Matt. They would definitely pay up for him. And also, now there's a little bit of a situation where before they were talking about max dollars for Kenny Galladay. With him not playing, the Giants have a little negotiating room, not a huge amount because he's still elite and everybody knows it. But they'll have a little bit, and that's comfortable. And I'm excited because he's coming. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm ready and for it. He also it. proved himself last year when he was able to do play at a high level without Matt Stafford starting. It doesn't matter who's quarterback. He still played extremely well. Yeah, personally for me as a Giants fan, I'm hoping the Giants at 11 get Jalen Waddell. And I think Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith will probably both be at the board at, at that point. I think obviously the Dolphins are probably going to go receiver and I think the Philadelphia may go receiver, depending on how they feel about Jalen Rager. I don't think Jalen Rager really lived up to a first-round picker, what they really wanted out of a receiver at, you know, in terms of talent. So I think, you know, I think at that point, if Philadelphia comes and, you know, DeMonte Smith or Jamar Chase is on the board, I think they might take him, um, as well as any other team on the board might. Uh, but I think if Jalen Waddle, I think, falls to the Giants, I just love Jalen Waddle. I love the skill set that he has. You know, I really mock him next to, like, a Tyreek Hill, where he, he has a speed to burn over the top. His route running is really good. And I think in jump balls, I think he for his height at 5'10, um, I just think he has an extreme amount of talent uh, to go and get balls up in the air. So I just think he has that skill set where it, it really matches Tyreek Hill. And I'd love for the Giants to have a Tyreek Hill type player. So moving on to our next game, uh, we have the Ravens and the Bengals. Not much to talk about here on the Ravens side of things. Obviously, they make the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, as I, I had predicted last week, not a spectacular game out of him passing 113 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, but again, I think his leadership is, you know, rushing wise, he had 97 yards. I think his leadership is big. And I think this Ravens team is just ready. was really in that playoff hunt and they've been pretty locked in. Um, and against, you know, going against the Bengals who have been a pretty weak team this year. It was kind of a no brainer for them to take the victory 38 to three Ravens finished at 11 and five, uh, Bengals finished at four, 11 and one. Um, not to mention JK Dobbins, big game out of him, 160 yards, two touchdowns, but uh, going on the Bengals side of things, I think this is more interesting spot here to talk about, um, obviously, beyond playoff implications. The Bengals are at five, as we talked about with the Dolphins, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go here. Um, you know, I'm, I, I think they're pretty much locked into getting Penny Sewell, and they're going to do what they can to get him. Um, but I think uh, Matt had some different ideas. Matt, what, what were you saying before we uh, came back to the podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just thought it'd be kind of fun for, um, you know, get some get some air raid offense going in here. You can kind of you draft Jamar Chase at five. You get Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, you know, I guess maybe the ghost of AJ Green if he's still around. And then you got and you got um Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. I mean, hey, like you might not be able to stop anybody, but you could sure as hell score a lot of points. So there you go. As long as Joe Burrow stays upright, that's for sure. That would be the biggest issue with that though, right? Joe Burrow would just be injured again. I, <laughs> I I like the creativity, but I'm just not if I'm if I'm a Bengals fan. I know who I want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just, it's just, I guess, like, it's really a question of, like, what, what who are they going to get at that point, right? Because Jamar Chase is just, like, best player available, and they think the gap between Penesquil and, and offensive lineman number two is a, a steep gap. They just might punt that position to be like, hey, let's start scoring some points. Let's have some fun. So they get some, some butts in the stands, you know? You got to go yeah, for Sewell, awesome. though. You oh, yeah, if, he, if he's available, yeah, yeah, but, like, I don't know if he will be, right. though. Yeah, I know. Before that. I mean, they even, still, like yeah. I keep saying, they still got to do what they can to trade up for him. Just what, even if they give up another valuable pick, I think it's that important. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely, like, something they consider. But, I mean, I, hey, Bengals front office. I mean, Jamar Chase is way flashier than Panay Swole. So, if you, 
you want to have some fun, go for it, man. It's going to be fun. Actually, I probably won't want that in my, my division, but it would definitely be fun to see. So, um, Yeah, with that being said, uh, again, not much to talk about there. We kind of already talked about it. You know, Penny Swole, I think, is pretty much a lot for them in terms of what they need. But uh, moving on from there, we had the Jaguars and the Colts. Um, Colts won this one 28 to 14. Colts moved to 11 and 5. They make the playoffs. Jaguars obviously won at 15. Uh, they already had the first pick locked, but this just solidifies it even more if that was even necessary. <laughs> um, Jaguars starting off, I guess, no, Colts start with them. They're a really, really interesting team to me. I think between, I think, I think the AFC Colts are the question mark for me. And I think with the NFC, I think the Buccaneers are the question mark for me. I think both of these teams can make the Super Bowl. I think they're, they're my wild card teams, but. It's a question of are they going to be able to perform at their best best capabilities? Because I think again the Colts, uh, Taylor has been pretty good this year. Philip Rivers has been pretty good this year. I think I think the group as wide receivers for the Colts has been good. Their offensive line has been good. Their defensive core has been good. Nothing spectacular, right? But I think when the Colts are at their best, they can be a Super Bowl caliber team. It's just they had you know their lack of consistency this year has been an issue. Um, and I think the same thing with the Buccaneers where they've had a lack of consistency too. And I think when both teams play at, the, at their top, you know peak. Um, they can be Super Bowl teams, so it's going to be, you know, again, I think Colts are a big question mark for me. Um, it should be interesting to see how they how they pan out. I was watching some uh, so, some Madden, you know, previews of, of the playoffs, and I, had, I think they had the Colts going to the Super Bowl, or it was like I think it was Colts and Browns in, in the in, in the conference finals, something like that. So it was kind of interesting to see like Madden kind of scoops them out to to being this good team, and I kind of feel that they could do that too if they play to the best of their abilities. But uh, moving on from there, we have the Jaguars. You know, they're a really interesting spot. They uh, wound up firing Doug Marone, which I think was a pretty easy decision of being 1-15, and, and really the Jaguars team has not really been talented besides that one fluke year, I think, uh, where their defense is really solid. You know, I guess it's hard to call it a fluke, but their defense is really good that year, obviously. Um, I can't remember that was two, three years ago now. Um, but again, this Jaguars team just has not been great. They're pretty much a lock at Trevor Lawrence. I don't see you go anywhere else with the first overall pick, and you find a trade partner for Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, I think you know, the fact that they have started Mike Lennon over the past couple past couple weeks uh, really shows that the, obviously the Jaguars have been trying to tank, and they're not a hundred percent, you know, interested in, in terms of Gardner Minshew's projections. They aren't really they don't really buy into him that well. Trevor Lawrence is pretty much an easy lock in for me. Um, what do you guys have to say? Um, I mean, I kind of forgot Zach Saxonville was like a thing until like he brought it up again. Like, I don't know about you guys. I just kind of felt like it was like a fever dream. Like that, that one time, like you're dreaming and the Jaguars make the conference final. And then you wake up in a cold sweat and like, they're back to being one in 15. We forget this team was one and all at one point. Just saying they were one and all at one point. And I think like Joe Schrober or whatever, the guy from the Browns, like it's my first time being one and all ever. And then they proceed to lose the next 15 games. So um, this could have been an 0 16 team. Also, it's definitely uh, concerning, I guess, a little bit for the NFL about how two teams almost finished 0-16 in the same season, but I digress, really. I mean, I don't know really what to say about this game besides that this is kind of what we expected, and, I mean, Colts fans hope Philip Rivers gets continues to be, I guess, like semi-decent when you go to Buffalo the next week because that's going to be a really tough game for them. Yeah, I really, yeah, I think this Colts team is really, really well coached, and I really think they've kind of overachieved what they have because I really am not a believer in Philip Rivers, and I just think he's one... It's just one of those things where he's they're going to go as far as he allows them to, in my opinion. Yeah, they have a great defense, but I think, you know, it's pretty clear now the NFL is not a defensive-driven league. It's an offensive-driven league. And I don't, I just don't think Rivers is good enough. And also, he sometimes his decision-making will just force balls into areas where they should be thrown and get picked off. It's not as bad as it was last year, which I think has definitely played a role in the Colts being as good as they are. And Rivers doing a lot better than last year, obviously, but... 
I just, I, I just don't think I, I don't see him at all out dueling Josh Allen. I think that's kind of, that's kind of a mismatch in my opinion. It certainly is, Max. I mean, there's no question there, but there's just one thing to say about this team. Jonathan Taylor, that man is nasty. Ooh, that's a bad man. That's a bad man right there. I mean, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor could be, if he's he, he's heating up at the right time, he could be the Derrick Henry of this year's playoffs. He really could be. I mean, am I going to pick them against the Bills? I might. I'm going to think about it real hard. I'm, I'm going to sleep on it and let you guys know. But Jonathan Taylor, my gosh, that man has been nasty the last few weeks. I understand it was against Jacksonville. I get that. I'm not going off of recency bias or anything like that. Since he had those midseason fumbles and they questioned, oh, should he even be the starting running back? He has turned it to another gear. That man is nasty. He's probably going to be like a top six pick in fantasy next year. I mean, he is a nasty man. He could play. He could run, catch the whole thing. He is very talented. There's what, no question, and I'm excited to see what he could do. For what it's worth, I think I saw a recent mock draft because I'm obsessed with football, so I was looking at more of them, and I think I saw him going, I believe, like 102 or 103. So the guy is third in rushing in the league right now, I believe. So, I mean, it's definitely not a fluke just against the Jaguars. This man has been putting it on in the last part of the season. And Taylor was my favorite running back coming out of Wisconsin. I said he was going to be the best draft back in this draft uh, way back one in the Sport Universe podcast, and I stand by that. I just He's really talented. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's built like one of those runners where he's powerful, but also quick. So it's just, he's one of those runners that has potential to boom. And I think he has this year and he's been phenomenal. I think, you know, it's quietly because I think he's been overshadowed by rookie quarterbacks. And, and I think Justin Jefferson's performance, you know, outside of quarterbacks on offense, but um, I think he's been pretty good. And just going back to Jaguars, you know, it should be interesting to see who the head coach is uh, just going in terms of, you know, the specs for the Jaguars, right? They have over a little over $81 million of cap space in 2021. So a lot of signing room. Um, they have two first-round picks, uh, including, including one of the Rams picks. Uh, they have two second-rounders. They have a third-rounder and seven fourth through seventh-rounders. So they have a lot of uh, draft potential. As well, if they were to draft, uh, get away Gardner Minshew, you know, I think uh, the right team might be able to trade him for a second or a third-round pick if they're able to you know, get maximum value out of him. I don't think he's worth the first, but um, I think a second or third-round pick is, is possibly fair compensation. Um, it's really hard to, to compensate. You know, uh, uh, you know, I guess essentially like a rookie or a second year quarterback that's, um, you, you know, he has ups and downs and you, you've pulled him, pulled him out. It's kind of hard to guard, to gauge where Gardner Minshew is, in my opinion. Uh, but I think on the right team, he could perform well, but it, it should be interesting to see if, what kind of compensation they get out of him if they do go with Trevor Lawrence, which seems to be the case. Um, and then going from there, uh, the next game that we have is the Titans and Texans. Honestly, I'm a fan of the Titans. I've predicted they were going to win the division, and they did. Uh, Titans won the game 41 to 38 against the Texans. Uh, Titans finished the, the season at 11 and five. Texans finish at four and 12. I'm just going to go with the Texans, and then I think I'm going to go right to Max after this because obviously Max being a diehard Titans fan, I think you can talk more about the Titans. But on the Texans side of things, this, this team really is Deshaun Watson, and that's it. Um, I think the, the season as well as the final game was kind of capped off with JJ Watt walking out with Deshaun Watson out of the game. And he says, you know, sorry, wasted one of your one of your years, man. And it's just, you know, I really feel that Rashawn Watson, you know, they're kind of wasting his years. You know, looking at their draft picks, they don't have much. Um, right now they're without a head coach, right? They're, they're out Bill O'Brien. Um, draft wise and cap space, they're not in a good spot. Um, they, they traded the third overall pick to the Dolphins. They don't have that anymore, despite going four and twelve. Uh, I think they're negative six, almost sixteen million dollars in cap space. 
Um, they have zero first round picks, zero second round picks. They have a third round pick in five, four through seven. So their draft potential is not great. Um, this Texans team is just in a really, really bad spot. And I think it's going to take them quite a few years to, to be able to get out of that. And, you know, who, who knows how old Deshaun Watson will be by the time they, they do get into a position to win. If they ever can get there, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to be late twenties, thirties. I think that's, that's personally where I see the Texans, I think is the soonest possible rebuilds top spot for them because they're not a big market team either. And I think that does play a factor in how quickly a team can rebuild. I just, I don't really like where this Texas spot is and whoever takes that head coaching job is going to be, uh, is really going to take on a hurdle. Um, and again, I'm going to leave the Titans uh, to Max. So Max, do you want to take it? All right. I'm, I have a lot to say here. So <laughs> first of all, I'm going to start. Congratulations to Derek Henry. 2000 yard season. One of the, one of the eight players ever to do so. Coming into the year, I will say I had questions, especially about his longevity. After what he did last year, um, taking the team way far in the playoffs, he was the NFL's rushing leader. Then he got his payday. I never knew if he would be that good again. Then he goes and rushed for 2,000 yards. I don't know how this guy keeps getting better and better. I figured with a player built like him taking so many hits, I figured he'd start to decline, but he's only gotten stronger and better. And I just want to say thank you to Derrick Henry for what you did this year. You know, no matter what you happens in the playoffs, I couldn't be more thankful to have him on my team. But I, I just can't. I can't not. I can't mention just not mention just him. You know what I'm saying here. Um, Ryan Tannehill also incredible game. I thought he had this weekend. He's played incredible all year. Really stood in the pocket. Made some great throws. I thought, especially the one late in the game to AJ Brown with um, 18 seconds left. To be fair, a lot of that can be blamed on the Texans' defense for completely imploding. But threw an absolute money ball to A.J. Brown. I can't remember how many yards. It was, it was about 50 yards. And it set the game-winning field goal off the upright. Absolutely crazy. A.J. Brown also, um, he hit over 1,000 yards receiving on the season with that game. And congratulations to him, especially thinking that he got – he missed two games in the year early in the year, which isn't much, but – yeah, he reaches milestones. So congratulations to him. But the defense, it just continues to be awful. That it that defense is going to cost the team the playoffs, I think, at this point. They can't stop anyone. To be fair, Deshaun Walton was the NFL's um a passing guards leader this year, but the team he it's a it's just been a terrible defense all year. I really don't have any faith in them at this point. I don't see how you can win with a group that bad. But there's one thing and I I'm kind of repeating, doing an expanded version of what I said in the sport universe, my point of view. I don't know if it's been posted yet, but I will say this Titans team is really clutch. When you look at what they've done over the year, in every game that has come down, not to one possession, but to come down to the wire, every game except for one game against the Steelers when they, when they just came short of overcoming a 20-point deficit, they have won those games. Nine times out of ten, they are going to win games that really come down to the wire. And we're not, don't just talk about that big play to A.J. Brown. That drive beforehand, when they had to score, was about as perfectly done as possible. They got the ball with about nine minutes left. They got under the two-minute warning. Not only that, they managed to get down to the goal line and make the Texans use a timeout. Like, I don't know how they did that. My dad and I were sitting on the couch, and I was saying to him, we're going to – we, we got to get as much time off the clock as possible. This is with four minutes left, and they're near the red zone. And – and I and I both, both agree, yeah, they're not just going to stall. So it's gonna, the Texans are going to have a lot of time, which they did have enough time to come back and tie it up because the Titans' defense, once again, is just that bad. But this team knows how to play 
really late in the game. And I think if there's really one thing besides the talent we have on offense, if there's one characteristic about this team, it's that's or there's two. It's one is the turnover differential because I think after the end of this game, we still finished the regular season leading teams in turnover differential. That and the ability to play games late and win. I that's what if if this team is going to make a run, which I don't think they will, but if they are, that's going to be their best ability. Yeah. Um, not going to be able to follow that up at all. That's for sure. Max with uh, any sort of Titans news, I'm just going to say, I trust your judgment on them, but the only thing I really wanted to bring up was one thing is that this Texans team might honestly make a surprise turnaround fairly soon, just because of the fact that nine of their games this season were one score games. And a lot of that's due to their Deshaun Watson, who if we actually were giving out MVP to to people that were not on winning rosters, Deshaun Watson would be by far the winner. And that, I mean, you can go look at his stats. The man has tied for seventh in passing touchdowns, first in passing yards, seven interceptions. I mean, yeah, I know you could argue garbage time, but when nine of those nine out of six, nine out of 16 of your games are one score games. I mean, the guys putting up these stats while also having a while in a competitive game. He's the reason these Texans aren't like a, a one in 15 or an own 16 team like the Jaguars or Jets were suspected to be. He's really the one keeping this together. And that's why if I was a potential head coach, I would still consider going here very strongly just because of the fact of having Deshaun Watson as my quarterback. 100% agree with everything you just said, Matt. I was actually, that was basically what I was going to say. I'm not even going to repeat it. I was just going to say, to Nick, basically, that the coaching position, comparatively to the others, obviously, all of them have their perks, but this is the one that you got the guy. You've got the man, Deshaun Watson himself, and even though you, you personally believe that it could be a few years until the team is really able to compete, I just have that always that optimistic mindset that with that one dude, you never know if you could just sneak in and make a run, and for that reason alone, I'm very optimistic that even though they were so horribly managed that they have no first-round draft picks this year, which is an absolute shame. It or second-rounders. Or second-round <laughs> draft picks. It's just – it's atrocious. It was They were managed so awfully because right now you would say, oh, man, we have our guy. We have our quarterback. We had basically the best offensive player of the year this year, and now we just need to – rebuild a little bit and we'll sneak in there next year. We've seen teams do it all the time. The league is an eight and eight league. So we know that all of a sudden we have the right pieces. We'll be above that eight and eight for sure. And, you know, that's where the question comes in. Hopefully with Deshaun Watson, with the optimism that I have and whichever new head coach, hopefully one that doesn't also have this power trip that needs to tell the be in the GM's ear or whatever. I know they're not doing the coach and GM combo ever again. I don't think any team will after what Bill O'Brien did to them, but hopefully they're able to keep it together because we want to see Deshaun Watson in the playoffs. We want to see him in his prime, see what he could do with this team. I know most people want to see that and I'm optimistic. I hope so. Yeah. That man literally willed this team last year to the playoff victory against the bills. You know, I mean, this this year definitely was rough, but they they lost, I think, like three games by like five yards. When you think about it, it was both Colts games, and I think like really that like this like this game like if I don't know like if that kick was like five yards back or like two yards back for the Titans, they could go to overtime. Deshaun Watson could have this too. So really, like three games this year, they lost by like less than five ten yards. 
So that's and not only forget the other Titans game where Derrick Henry just all of a sudden has a 70-something yard rush in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was absurd. Even that game, it looked like the Texans would end up winning, and Derrick Henry just proved why he's the best back in the league. Yeah, and not only that with the Texans losing to the Colts, but the fact how they lost both those games. The first game, um, bad snap that Deshaun couldn't recover. And the second game, on the goal line again, and the receiver fumbles like two yards out. It's it's incredible the way they lost these games. I think again, the shining star is like Sean Watson. Just going back to what you guys said about like my coaching standpoint, that is really the only reason you come to be the head coach of the Texans is because you get to coach of Sean Watson. Um, you know, the Titans side of things, again, as Max had said, their defense has been so bad. It's just it's hard to really choose them to go far in this this NFL playoffs. But I think you can you can game plan the Titans passing offense, but it's really going to come down to t- Derrick Henry. As you've seen, it, it's impossible to game plan Derrick Henry. You can try and slow him down, and I think at most you're going to hold him just to 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. You know, he's that talented, and that's game planning him. So uh, I, the Titans will go, I think, as far as, as Derrick Henry will let them. You know, Derrick Henry is, you know, in the playoffs, can continue to put more and more on him where he can just continue to rush for more yards and be unstoppable as he can be. Um, this, this Titans team could make a run. Um, with that being said, for the issue of time, we move on. Uh, next game we have is the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, Rams won this one 18 to 7, uh, eliminates the Cardinals from playoff contention. Uh, they finished the year at 8 8. Uh, Rams win it, obviously. They're now in the playoffs in the wildcard spot at 10 and 6. Uh, interesting game here. Obviously, the Rams were without uh, Jared Goff with that broken thumb, who is now returned to play. So he probably will play in the playoff game. Um, and he just did have surgery, I think, nine days ago. I believe it was, um, and apparently he started practicing again today, which is pretty incredible. Um, so he may play in this next playoff game. I don't think it's really been determined yet, but um, Wolford was the starter in this one. 231 yards and in, uh, interception, not great out of him. I don't think he's he's really the option uh, looking forward. You know, the Rams are a lot more comfortable with Jared Goff. He, he's really the game manager for them, and I think it's going to be big for, for them to have him back. Um, that being said, I think the Rams are okay. I don't think they perform great as of late. I think the defense is still pretty solid. I just don't know how they're going to pan out in the playoffs. Um, and the Cardinals, again, I think they're sort of in a similar situation as the Dolphins, but maybe one year ahead, but they have a lot of young talent. You know, I don't think the Cardinals got all out of Isaiah Simmons as they could this year. I think he could be one of those players that's like completely game-changing on defense. I just love Isaiah Simmons. Um, coming out of Clemson, right, 6'4 build, huge. Uh, has incredible speed. You know, he's got all the – the like physical traits to be such a beast in the NFL to really be it all. You know, I think he could be sort of like a Jamal Adams where he can, can, can do it all, but even better because he's, he's, he's faster than, than Jamal Adams. I think somewhat um, on paper, right. He's taller than Jamal Adams. There's no arguing that. I just really like Isaiah Simmons. I think they can get more out of him as well as the rest of his defense. I like Byron Murphy. I think he's going to continue to develop. Um, I think draft wise, they're probably going to look to, uh, replace uh, Patrick Peterson. I think that'd be probably a, a nice start to spot uh, spot to start for them. And I think at 16, Sertan, Patrick Sertan out of Alabama might be there, might be not. You know, it might, really depends on if he falls or not. Um, and if he fell, I think it'd simply be due to just fatigue of him being such a, a overrated corner. But I think he he's not really overrated. He's he's that good of a corner. So I think he's probably the best corner in this draft. Um, he might be a nice spot for them at 16. I really don't know where they go. Um, at 16, is not really a player that I, don't th- I think it's going to be on the board. It's going to be really, uh, you know, franchise altering for them. But there's a really, you know, there's a lot of good talent at 16. I think this Arizona Cardinals team, I think they're well coached. Um, and I think they have a lot to look forward to. And I think if uh, Murray comes back next year and he's a little bit healthier than he was in, in the later half, latter half of this season, 
the Cardinals have a lot of potential. I, I really do like their, their chances going forward. Uh, Matt? Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, but I think that honestly, something I will disagree with you on is I'm very anti Cliff Kingsbury. I, I, the, the last play of the game, I might be remembering it wrong. So if anybody knows like really what I'm talking about, uh, feel free to shout it out. But it was like a third and 11 kind of play. And the guy like kind of like throws, like, I believe like a, like a, like a screen with like Kyler Murray, like hobbling on one leg pretty much. And it goes for like nowhere. Um, and then he punts the ball away. And I remember it was like, I think it was like a 11 point game at that point. It was, or something, it was something very close to the game. And I just said really frustrated because it seemed like we were getting all on Doug Peterson's back for effectively throwing the game away when it didn't matter to him. But, um, but Cliff Kingsbury actually just did the same thing here. Like, I mean, it's like, he didn't even try to have like an actual like play that was called downfield in order to attempt to win this game. I just, I, I think the guy just like kind of threw away the Cardinal season at that point um, with his play calling in this game. And I mean, without, without like the Hail Murray, this team would be what in eight, eight. So we'd be seven, seven and nine, maybe. I mean, it's got a couple lucky breaks this season. So this Cardinals team has definitely been a disappointment. I think this season, because of the fact that like you got DeAndre Hopkins, you think you were going to at least like make the playoffs or the wild card or something. I thought they were at least being over the Rams. They had that chance still and they completely blew it at the end. And I, I want to expand on the whole point with Cliff Kingsbury. I mentioned last week on this podcast, I don't know if the problem with the Cardinals is Kyler or Cliff Kingsbury. With Kyler, we've seen the talent is clearly there. There's no question. But the inconsistency is just troubling. I don't know if that's on him or Cliff Kingsbury. And I kind of have to think it's on Cliff Kingsbury because, as I said on the podcast last week, he didn't have a very good resume coming out of college, coaching college football at Texas Tech. And he comes to the NFL, and I – I think most people were with me on this one saying, I don't know why they hired this guy. It makes no sense. And I start to believe I'm wrong about that whenever the Cardinals have a good record. But then all, then everything happens with the inconsistency, especially on offense, which where they have a plethora of players, not the best offensive line, but you have so many skill positions. How, how do you not do better, in, like, especially in the last two games of the year where you have to make the playoffs? Yeah, I get Kyler was injured. But it's not just that game. It's others before that, and especially with them losing, only scoring 12 points against a 49ers team, that was completely injured. I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, everything that you guys said is are the questions. Because when we were talking last week about the prime duos in the league, quarterback and wide receiver, it's a damn shame that Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins this year weren't the, in the top three. They just weren't. It was... It was Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill and Mahomes. And number two, though, which I was saying last week, was Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins really need to be clicking on all cylinders there. And for the most part, they were. But the questioning, the coaching decisions were up in the air for a lot of the season. And what you said, Nick, is absolutely right in terms of who they get in the draft isn't going to really change their team, their chemistry, their trajectory. They have the talent. They just got to piece that together. And this Rams team that they didn't have golf, their game manager, let's see what happens because I don't know if they're going to be able to battle Seattle coming forward, but it's, it's really up in the air. Maybe if the running game is solid because without it, I think that Seattle runs away with that one. Yeah, I just I don't I don't really 
I mean, like, I don't know about you guys if you guys feel like as bearish on Cliff Kingsbury, but I mean, if he did they start off slow next year, do you, do you really think he like loses his job? I mean, like, it's you know, I mean, you got you got some talent around him. Mean, really dep- it depends on who they add this offseason, but I mean, you know, it definitely was disappointing this year. I think he's kind of on the hot seat already, if you ask me. Yeah, I think this offseason might, he just might, like, I, I mean, again, like, as fans, as Arizona, I know Arizona fans have not been thrilled these last few weeks about it. I know that they're really pressuring him in the on the media hot seat, but I'm just curious if you guys think that really that's the same expectation. If, do we have too high expectations for the Cardinals is what I'm asking? You think they, they kind of, like, didn't really, you know, like, do we have No, we have the right no. expectations for this team. They are talented. They are very talented. And what I was saying last week was that if Fitz goes – you guys still have these young receivers that yeah. have so much talent. I want to see what Kirk and Andy Isabella could do. I want and to see you know, it. One thing I'm going to say is with with a, Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator, getting so much interest, they're not going to go after – I'm sure Arthur Smith's going to end up with a job somewhere. But you think of him on that team, that'd be such a perfect fit with how well the Titans offense has done this year. you got to think they're going to, they could miss out on a huge opportunity right there. Yeah, I'm just curious that, you know, like with next season, I think that if he doesn't perform, if they don't make the playoff next year, I think that he might be gone, honestly. That's my, my take on it, though. I agree completely, honestly. I think I think the leash is pretty short. I've always been like, I guess, I always give Cook Kings probably the benefit of the doubt because I just like, I like his sort of his fit for the Cardinals, especially like over the past couple of years. And I agree his success maybe is the best. I think, I definitely think he probably gets another season next year. Again, they, 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 the Cardinals improved eight and eight this season, and it's not it's not you know exactly what they want in terms of playoff hopes. But I think always Kingsbury gets gets the benefit of the doubt because of Patrick Mahomes and you know his his coaching through Mahomes. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I always have sort of this, this blind faith in Kingsbury, and I definitely I definitely you know without a doubt you guys have some validity validity in saying his, his job is on the hot seat that this team is probably too talented to not be in a playoff spot. And you're not wrong. Um, so I, it should be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. Um, going through one more game. Um, we have the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, so Saints won this one 33 to 7. Uh, Saints moved to 12 and 4. Panthers moved to 5 and 11. Um, you know, not much to say about this game other than the Panthers. It should be interesting to see where they draft. Um, obviously, drafting Derek Brown last year, um, I, you know, it was, it was a pretty solid pick for them, but I don't think it's really changed much for them. Um, they have a lot to improve on in this draft. Uh, are they going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater? Who knows? They're at the eighth overall pick. They might be able to get like a Zach Wilson there. Um, should be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, and again, the Saints have been pretty solid. I think they're going to be a pretty big threat in the playoffs. Uh, it should be interesting. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Alvin Kamara out for this for this week's game? With um, I think he he was definitely out for this past week with, yeah. with COVID. Is he out for the playoffs as well? With COVID? Uh, so I think how it works is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the 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 Saints Bears game is on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I think that he doesn't clear protocols if it was on Saturday. But coincidentally, the game is on Sunday, so he could. That would be, I believe, the first day he can clear protocols. I believe I I I'm, that's what I heard recently. So I don't know if anybody else heard something similar. Um, but yeah, I think that's like the first day. I think I think it's going to be really key to this game. And I think moving forward, as as long as Alvin Kamara stays healthy and, and COVID free, which he presumably will at this point, because of you know, antibodies from having it this time over. Um, you know, it's it's really the key. I think this Bears team is pretty hot and it might give the Saints some trouble. Uh, but I think that with Alvin Kamara, they should be able to beat the Bears. And then as long again, as long as he's healthy moving forward, uh, the Saints team is definitely a contender. Uh, Matt? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like this game kind of uh, anybody out there who says that running backs are way more imp- are really, really important or are somewhat important kind of got um, discouraged by seeing Ty Montgomery go for 18 for 105 with 5.8 average carry. I mean, I know he's no Alvin Kamara, but, you know, if you're if you're paying Ty Montgomery, and he's getting you 100 yards grants against the Panthers. But, you know, if he's still producing, then like it kind of just like puts a damper on. Um, you know, these regular, these other running backs at the top tier. I mean, I'm glad Kamara got his pay already. But yeah, this this Saints team is going to go as far as, um, you know, like the same with Philip Rivers. It's going to go as far as Drew Brees kind of allows it. If Drew Brees shows up every single game and starts playing like, like I guess, another QB, Tom Brady has been playing and starts throwing these three touchdowns like he did recently, three touchdowns, you know, four touchdowns, two touchdowns, whatever, just like kind of clean games and they keep the ball to the other offense's hands. I think they have a good shot at winning these. I just worry about him going into green Bay and stuff later on in the season, but um, yeah. And I kind of just worry about the Saints team, even though they've been kind of screwed over the past few years with, you can just say that if you really believe that, I I kind of think they kind of have with the, with the, um, when the no PI called the Rams all those years back with the miracle at Minneapolis with Stefan Diggs. But last year, they just got completely outplayed when it really mattered. And it just goes to show this Saints team doesn't seem to find a way to win when they have to. And I, I picked them a bunch of years for the Super Bowl, and I they kind of lost my trust. So, I mean, I, I just, I'm not saying they can't win. They're, they're definitely contenders. It just can they w- get it done. The good news for them is, though, Michael Thomas is supposed to return. I don't know if we mentioned that a second ago, but I think that's huge for Drew Brees. Definitely huge. I mean, that's a dark horse right there. They haven't had him healthy all year long. And then when he has been in the game, he had uh, the most recent game that he had, I believe, was the 100-yard game. Maybe he came back and then got hurt. Not positive about that. But he had 100-yard game with Taysom Hill. And Drew Brees loves throwing to him. So we'll see what happens there. You're right, Matt, about uh, Ty Montgomery running all over them. I mean, I'm just more interested in is Carolina going to move on from Teddy? I know I would. Let's let's see what they do. I talked about it last week. The receiving core is way too good to not, you know, be utilizing it to the fullest of their capabilities. Get a quarterback in there that could sling it in. In the one game that they had, uh, PJ Walker, Philip Walker, whatever you want to call him, Walker, they he was slinging it all around to the guys and throwing great deep balls, beautiful ones. And I I thought, wow, if someone could do this more accurately, I would love to see that. And hopefully they see the same thing that I'm seeing because Teddy's not the guy there. Yeah, I mean, P.J. Walker this game kind of pooped the bed. 5-4-14, 95 yards and three interceptions. But I mean, I see what you're saying, though, where like he did he did perform like in a previous game somewhat better than Teddy did. I mean, I just like I mentioned the Nick before. uh, I think that Teddy's kind of like that. It's just like the bridge. Like where you see quarterbacks that's that are need to be replaced or below him and quarterbacks that are fine or above him in um when it comes to NFL rankings with him. But they're drafting at eight right now. Maybe you get Trey Lance, maybe something happens, maybe Zach Wilson somehow falls at eight. I don't know. Um, but looking more likely you're probably gonna have to trade up in order to get one of those quarterbacks. It's just it's just do they think that they're going to need to do that, or do they think instead that they're gonna suck again? Like they're gonna be like, Okay, we'll punt the position this year, we'll suck, we'll suck one more year with Teddy. And then we'll get a quarterback next year with Spencer Rattler, I believe is coming out next year, I think, which is, I know he was very hyped recently. So um, it's going to be an interesting year for Panther fan, at least. Yeah. Walker's certainly not the answer. It's just it one more year. A, a qu- yeah. It's just a it's question of when are they going to go with them? When are they going to go with somebody new? Because Walker against this team, the defense was obviously way better than in the first game where 
forget who they had, but it was a very easy game. I know that it was like a heavy fantasy stack that week with DJ Walker. All right, I'm gonna cut it right there. We'll get started. I feel like this meeting went so by so fast. Yeah, but, it was it was definitely yeah. quite a fast one. Yeah, okay. yeah, but well, we have games this past week. I don't think it's a fact that this meeting's fast. Every time we get in here, we say, okay, we're gonna only talk like this much. We end up talking yeah. about every game every time. We never hold ourselves to this. Hey, don't worry. It's okay. We'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it. We'll work out the kinks we'll, during the playoffs. We get we. We get lost in the conversation. I mean, we always do. I mean, time. it's okay. We, I mean, don't worry. We'll, 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 um, no, I got plenty of time. Just yeah. Saying, like, yeah. We'll, be, we'll be better with the playoffs, though, because I think it's only like what, like six games of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we, we can only talk about so much. So exactly. Uh, we only have like four games left anyway. I mean, the Chargers and Chiefs is kind of throwaway game. Uh, I, don't, I don't care to talk about what games yeah, do we have left. Yeah, honestly, we can honestly just Packers, talk about, Bears, like, Chargers, Chiefs, Seahawks, 49ers, Raiders, Broncos, Washington, Eagles. We can pretty much skip over. We can pretty much skip over Chargers, Chiefs, Seahawks, 49ers, Raiders, Broncos, and talk about Washington Eagles. I mean, I'll mention them, but yeah, that's fine. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you could you just slightly mention and be like, yeah, this is games. Uh, so moving on to our next game, we have the Packers Bears. Uh, somewhat playoff implications here. Packers win at 35 to 16, Packers finish at 13 and 3. Uh, they win the NFC, and then you have the Bears finishing at 8 and 8, and they make a playoff berth. Um, Starting off with the Packers, obviously probably the best team in the in the NFC. Uh, very talented team. You know, they're, they're really the team to beat, I think, as far as any teams are right now in the NFC East, uh, NFC rather, to beat. Um, how much to say there, but the Bears, I think, are a, kind of an interesting playoff team. Um, you know, Ty Montgomery's uh, – sorry, David Montgomery, not Ty Montgomery. We just talked about Ty Montgomery. David Montgomery's been pretty solid this season. Mitch Trubisky, for as much as I hate him, I think he's performed pretty decently. Now, not spectacular this game. The Bears obviously lost uh, 252 yards and an interception here. Trubisky has pretty much played well enough to, to drive the Packers into a playoff berth. He may have bought himself another year with that. You know, do the, I don't know what the Bears want to do this offseason because I, I don't think they have really any shot at going anywhere in the playoffs. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do in the offseason, but I think they're going to have to you know, handle Matt Nagy and Trubisky, you know, what do they want to do with them? Do they want to see with Nick Foles? You know, a lot of question marks running the Bears, but um, Packers win this one. Uh, you guys have anything to say about it? The only thing I really have to say is that um, I think that um, Mitch Trubisky kind of has at least earned some sort of contract with them. I think, you know, like he's better than Nick Foles for what that's worth. I mean, like, I'm not saying like a $500 million contract, but, you know, two years, $20 million, you know, what is it? Like, it's not nothing like too crazy i think would be fine for them at least i personally don't think it's going to work out i had said it last week and i kind of, said, kind of hit on the same idea earlier today i think when you're at the point where you're asking yourself the question is he going to work is he not and trubisky hasn't really done enough to give bears fans or anyone confidence that he's really going to be the guy until he really proves otherwise i'd say no yeah he's worth nothing in my book <laughs> yeah and for me Zero. i I, I always say this is that he's played too much bad football and I've witnessed too much bad football out of him for, for them to continue to have trust in him. Um, I, th- I think maybe like a, like just like something for like a bridge quarterback. Cause if Teddy Bridgewater can get that much money, I think that maybe Mitch Kribis can get a little bit of something, especially cause if they suck next year, they can get rid of both of them, both mm-hmm. Trubisky and Nagy. So. Um, so that being said, moving on to the next game, we have the Chargers and chiefs chiefs benched everybody this game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you, you name it, everybody chiefs wind up losing 38 to 21. Um, Chiefs finished at fourteen and two. They're fine with that. They still win the AFC. Um, kind of a meaningless game for them. So, I'm just talk about there. 
The Chargers, on the other hand, they win the game. They finish at seven and nine, but they also wind up do firing Anthony uh, Lynn, uh, head coach. You know, it should be interesting to see what the Chargers do from there. I was a fan of the firing. I think pretty much everybody was. His his game management skills were very poor this year. Um, and I think over the past couple of years, but it really got exposed this year. Um, a firing was kind of imminent. Um, he just not has not been great. It does make me question though, like what the Chargers are going to do because I think, I, first of all, I think Anthony Lynn is a pretty good coordinator. I think he'll find a job elsewhere. Also, a pretty good guy. He was on Hard Knocks, and you could see that he was really passionate about the team and the way he led the team. The team kind of believed in him. Um, just didn't make the right decisions down, you know, down the stretch, and he got him fired. Um, to mention to see who steps into that position. I think this is going back to what I said earlier. This is my favorite spot for a head coach spot. First of all, you're in Los Angeles. That's big, right? Big, big market there. So you, you have the ability to drive to, you know, drive in free agents through that. Um, they have $30 million in cap space, which is, which is pretty solid, a little bit over that. Um, they have a first round draft pick, a second rounder, a third rounder, and then five, four, fourth to seventh rounders. So decent draft capital. And you also have a, probably the offensive rookie of the year and Justin Herbert, um, I'm not sure if the, car, if the Chargers are going to keep, or I can't remember if it's already mentioned, if it is, please correct me, if, if they kept the rest of their staff. Because um, I think Anthony Lynn had to go, but I think under underneath their quarterback, I forget who the quarterback's coach's name was, but... Pep, Ham- you know, Pep, Pep Hamilton. Thank you, thank you. And I think keeping him, they, I can't, they fired him, right? I would figure a staff is gone because people want to bring in their yeah. own staff, but I, I'm That's not true. sure. I think keeping him would be would probably be key because you know I think the, the step up that Justin Herbert took from Oregon to here has been massive. You know, at Oregon, Justin Herbert, all he did was throw darts, you know, looking at his film back when he was in college. I didn't think he was going to be spectacular because, you know, looking at his film, I thought he was eating strong arm. Don't get me wrong. I think he was probably the best arm in, in the draft. I just think his ability to read defense as well as his ability to take some, some I call it oomph off the ball, you know, be able to loft passes in, uh, pinpoint his accuracy was a question mark for me. Um, and he, he kind of improved that this season. And I think, you know, it goes a lot to coaching. And I think, you know, keeping underworkings of the coaching, especially at the quarterback position, might be a benefit to the Chargers. I forget if they're going to fire Pat Hamilton or not, but um, keeping him, in my opinion, would be a good move. Uh, Matt? Oh, did I lose connection for a sec? I just like I just reconnected. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. I, I just lost connection, so I just got back. But, um, yeah, I mean, the really the big thing I just wanted to bring up is kind of that Pep Hamilton, I think, nearly needs to be spoken about about more because, especially being a minority coach, I think that he, if he goes somewhere else and has similar success, I think that honestly, as you know, you know growing a quarterback like he did with Justin Herbert, I think that he definitely deserves at least a shot at a head coaching job. In fact, his only head coaching job before this was the XFL, where he made Cardell Jones actually a usable quarterback for the first like three or four games before the wheels fell off, as it always does with Cardell Jones. Uh, that being said, though, whoever becomes the Los Angeles Chargers next head coach should be expecting to play every single game as an away game. Cause while they do have all these young players and they look great and everything great, attractive spot for free agents, you still have no fans. So take that with what you will, but hopefully uh, that's definitely gonna be the, the first spot. I think that it's going to be filled with the head coach is going to be uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. Like I said, I've said this on the main podcast. I said it last week too, I believe, you know, they just need a winner. You know, Anthony Lynn, he just made that record that they had, in one score games, I think spoke for itself, but they just couldn't get it done ever. And I think they need to make a higher. I think they, not necessarily, but I think one thing they could do, and I don't really know what candidates are out there like this, but like, but I think they could make a higher sort of like a Joe Judge or a Brian Flores type of candidate, a guy that is not known as like a genius on any or 
either side of the ball or in any area, but just knows how to win games. Because if they got their, you got the right staff in there, you got the right offensive coordinator, the right defensive coordinator, you got with the talent they have, that could be a really good team. So I think that's something they really need to look at. Yeah, what an exciting coaching vacancy that is. I'm very excited to see who gets the job. I'm also excited to see, what, like you said, Nick, where Lynn ends up. Uh, I want to see if he could have a revival somewhere as a coordinator because it just wasn't a good year for them. They underperformed, and you're right. Herbert definitely overperformed, and I'm excited to see the second-year step. I really have nothing more to add. I just want to see that second-year progression because I'm very excited after the first year and I know LA is and so is fantasy football because it was quite the performance and I gotta say uh, my apologies Pep Hamilton I will now know your name and I will not forget you again I just have so much respect for him as a coach because it's like he took Justin Herbert who I wasn't a huge fan of and he really turned him into something I think going back to what you said Matt where I think they're in Los Angeles and right now they don't have any fans, but I think starting with a franchise quarterback, that's a way to draw on fans to be able to solidify yourself in that area. You know, if you have a, t- a really talented young quarterback like Justin Herbert, he continues to grow as, as Alec had said, um, you know, the sky's the limit and that, that'll draw on people that'll draw on fans. And it'll really be able to start to build a franchise around that. Um, so moving on from there, we have the Seahawks and the 49ers. Uh, Seahawks went at 26 to 23. Not much to say here other than this, you know, the 49ers uh, made it to the Bowl last year, did not this year. They finished at six and 10. Uh, banged up pretty much all year. Not much to say there. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what who the 49ers draft. Um, you know, you know they're at 12 right now. Uh, they could get pretty good talent there. I don't really know what their, their first need is. Um, other than, you know, it's, it's really hard to judge it because they've just been injured all year. You know, I think they could really go for a depth position there. They have a lot of room to make a decision there. They really could just go best player available, honestly, in my opinion. Um, and the Seahawks, on the other hand, 12 and 4. Uh, Pretty good at the beginning of the year, probably the best team in the NFL, and then they kind of had a rough middle middle of the year. And then they finished off pretty well. Uh, the Seahawks team is going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. I think that, you know, defensively they've come together. Offensively they've had their rough patches, but Russell Wilson, still Russell Wilson. Their offensive line is probably their biggest weakness. And I think, uh, you know, when they, when they do come across a, a team that's able to, you know, really, really take advantage of the offensive line, the Seahawks are going to struggle. Um, so it really comes down to in their offensive line, in my opinion, Hold up throughout the playoffs, Matt. Yeah, they've the Seahawks have been beating up on some pretty bad teams uh, recently, especially on like the defensive side of the ball, which is really why that their defense. I mean, their defense has been better, granted, but I'm not sure how much of it is you know just the the def- the offenses they face, or more of it just because of that the defense actually has been getting better. And so that's what I'm really curious to see. And this this week really won't prove anything to me because the Rams haven't been that offensive powerhouse that you saw when they went to the Super Bowl that one year so I'm not really sure what the what the what the expectation is for the Seahawks team I mean I know a first round exit would be disappointing but like would you be disappointed in the division round exit would you be disappointed in a conference exit because I really don't know where this team's gonna end up I mean sure you wouldn't be disappointed in the Super Bowl exit or Super Bowl win obviously but I really don't know where this team's gonna end up yeah I do think they are a huge mystery and I do think, you know, the offensive line is going to be an issue, especially if they have to go up against the Packers. For one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL, I don't think they'll be able to hold up against Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary, even Preston Smith too. But even then talking about the Seahawks also, their defense, like I, the guys keep saying, is it really their improvements or is it really um, them playing soft competition? Me personally, probably a true summer in the middle because I don't think you take that kind of step without doing a little bit of the work on your own, but they haven't been playing great teams. 
So yeah, this team is really a huge mystery to me. I can't, um, uh, I can't say they're the favorite, you know, especially with the Packers in that conference. But you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they were to make it or even win the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're definitely a mystery. I'm gonna run my simulations, guys. I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna think <laughs> about it. I'm gonna figure it out and piece everything together for you because I'm telling you, that's the team that. We wouldn't be surprised if they're a first-round exit, if somehow the Rams were able to sneak out a victory. But we also wouldn't be surprised seeing them in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to try to figure that out for you. I'll get back to you guys. I know everybody's tuning in for that. So hopefully I figure it out because that Seahawks team is – they're talented. There's no question. But are they going to be able to put it together? I still don't know. No one does. With that being said, moving on to the next games, we have the Raiders and the Broncos. Uh, Raiders went at 32-31. Results are kind of irrelevant. All that matters is pretty much draft spots at this point. Uh, Raiders are 8-8. Eight eight. Broncos are 5-11. and 11. Uh, Starting off with the Broncos, I think Drew Locke, his performance has, was pretty good in this game, 339 yards. Uh, it is a big question. They're going to continue to go with him at quarterback. They're sitting at 9. You know, Zach Wilson may or may not be available at that spot. Um, it should be interesting to see who they go with. Uh, definitely a lot of need there. And the Raiders side of things, I think they're a pretty talented team. I don't know if Gruden's the answer at coach. I think, honestly, I do think the Raiders, you know, I think they they, they have enough talent to be a playoff team. It's just, I think they need the right coaching. And, and at sitting at 17, they may be able to, might want to trade up to try. I think getting a pass rush might be the best move if they have to go into the draft. I personally think that Gregory Rousseau might fall out of Florida just because, or really Miami, but um, just because, he, you know, he's really athletic, but I don't know if he has the, the traits to be a really good NFL pass rusher. So it should be interesting to see if he falls. If he falls, he might be a good pick for Vegas at, at 17. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see what these teams are going to do in the draft. You know, Where are they going to try to address? Are the Raiders going to try and change coaches? Um, I, I just think this Raiders team is way more talented than, than they're really putting themselves out to be. I think they, they need to do more than what they're doing. And the Broncos side of things, you know, Drew Locke has not been spectacular. And I don't, they may try to replace him. You know, they are a t- top 10 draft pick, so it's, it's on the board for them. Uh, Matt? Yeah, this Raiders team, honestly, like, if you were going to ask me, like, what is the perfect 8-8 eight eight team, it's this Raiders team. I mean, you know, they, they this is a team, I just, I don't understand, man. It, it They frustrate me. If I was a Raiders fan, it would frustrate me 10 times more. You know, bringing the Chiefs to the near brink twice, and then one time actually beating them, you know, and then almost losing to the Jets, you know, and then like completely collapsing against the Dolphins, completely collapsing against, um, you know, like a couple other teams around the stretch after starting, I believe, like, what was he, like six and four or something like that. So uh, this team, I don't really know what they're up to. I mean, they they just need a new defensive coordinator. They need to fix that defense up a lot, and then they see where they're going from there. I don't think John Gruden's gone. I think he's at least earn more years, especially because his contract's so large. I think his website is johngrudengonyet.com or something like that if you want to go check out how much money he's made in the last like hour. So I'm sure while recording this podcast, you're even a couple hundred thousand dollars. But yeah, it's really nothing I have to say about this team really than just like, man, it's just they're the most consistently inconsistent team I've ever seen. Not ever, but most likely one of the top ones. Yeah, so many question marks of them, whether we go with Derek Carr, um, John Gruden, even the defense. And I just think that when you have that many question marks, it's never going to work out. They they, they got to do something, but they're not really in a position where they can, if they were to blow it up, they'd be looking at it as like, why? Because you're, you're kind of on the, the cusp of something. But then it's it, it just too much. I wonder too much about this team, how and they seem to never be able to put it together. 
So yeah, I don't I don't really have much confidence in them moving forward. And I will touch on Drew Locke a little and then be done here. Um, I based on what I've seen, I wouldn't trust him to be the guy moving forward. I've just it's just been too much inconsistency from him. You know, I don't think they're going to move on from this year. I, I think they'll wait another year to go quarterback. But I, if I am a Broncos fan, I'm not feeling super confident. Yeah, I mean, did you see his performance? Obviously, the stat line was fine. But did you see Jerry Judy in that game? Did you see him? That man is nasty, too. I mean, he. I think he was a little injured this year. I think there were a few games that he was on the injury report leading up to the week several times. Then he wasn't getting targeted very much. Then Drew Locke overthrows him a little bit, underthrows him, this and that. He's the second coming of Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's the second coming of Julio Jones. Everybody is getting right on the track where they're supposed to be next year. I'm very excited with Jerry Judy after this last game. That dude is insanely fast. I mean, the touchdown at the end of the game, I was like, Jerry Judy could do this? I hadn't seen him move that well because every week he has an injury with his leg, and it's definitely not allowed him to full-on go to the – fullest of his capabilities and I want him to rest I want to see them with Cortland Sutton next year and then we'll see what happens but yes Drew Locke is definitely not as good as you know he's not good to begin with and what we're seeing from him is a heightened example because he has great receivers around him and I'll have a better one next year once Sutton is back yeah, can't wait for Sutton to be back gonna see Judy with those lined up second corners instead of like the first corner so it's gonna be really exciting and I think just going back to the Raiders, I think they're really in a really tough spot because I feel like the Raiders, maybe coaching wise, I like Gruden. I like Gruden as kind of a motivator, like a Joe Judge type of guy, but maybe he's not the greatest for X and O's. I think Gruden does know his X and O's. But I think Gruden could be a right motivator to the right set of guys. I don't really hate him as a coach. I think he has potential. I think the Raiders really could be that special quarterback away from being a really good playoff team. And with that being said, I think Derek Carr had a pretty good year this year where he kind of recovered his career a little bit. At, but, you know, they're really in a really tough spot as a result of that. You know, it's not like, okay, Derek Carr's the the problem here. We need to replace him. It, it seems like it, it's really hard to pinpoint. I think the Raiders probably know better than we do what their issue is. Um, defense. Yeah, I mean, defense, obviously, again, I said, I think they could improve there, but I think offensively there's, there's room to improve there. Quarterback, they're kind of subpar, right? Derek, Derek Carr had a pretty good year, but nothing spectacular. And then let's say you want to move from Derek Carr. What do you do with Marcus Mariota? You went and signed him. So it's just, um, yeah, it's a lot of questions, question marks there. Uh, but again, I'm really interested to see, you know, I don't think they're in position to draft a quarterback this year being at 17. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think they'll probably address defense, with the 17th overall pick. Uh, moving on from there, the final game of the week, we finally get to it. The biggest, I think the hottest game of the week, the most controversial one, Washington versus the Eagles. Washington wins it 20 to 14 in a fashion that uh, was pretty egregious in my opinion. Uh, as a Giants fan, I have mixed feelings about it, and I'll get to that in a second. But Alex Smith, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 162 yards. Not great out of him. Gibson rushed for 75 yards. You know this Washington team, they're they're decent. They're be- probably the best team, I think, overall in the NFC East this year. They're just not really a playoff team that's really going to go anywhere. Um, they're going to get beat out pretty badly by the Buccaneers, in my opinion. I think their defensive line is, is really the promise of this team. I think the secondary, over, a little bit overperformed. It's about a talent they have, but they're still solid. Um, you know, offensively, they're going to have a lot of question marks moving into next year. But, uh, you know, with that being said, not much talk about Washington. You know, I'm happy that they made the playoffs because of Ron Rivera and his cancer. Um, you know, I, I think the Ron Rivera really helped fr- transform this franchise into, you know, putting it on the right path because 
you know, after change, the name change um, and the whole scandal about uh, sexual misconduct or whatever it was, I, I can't even remember off the top of my head, but just this franchise is an absolute mess to say the very least. And the way that Ron Vera was able to handle this, you know, not even to mention flew right over my head, Dwayne Haskins having to release him, Alex Smith coming back from that brutal injury. You know, this team, again, just a, a total mess. And Ron Rivera to not only have cancer, not only to deal with COVID and really not have a great offseason, but be able to coach his team into a spot where they believe in him and, you know, by being able to battle through cancer and get them to a playoff spot is really incredible. Alex Smith is pretty much a shoe in for comeback player of the year. And I just, I'm, I'm really proud of Ron Rivera being able to do that. So that's why I'm kind of rooting for the Washington Washington football team a little bit. But moving on from there, uh, more importantly, I, I, not, not really more importantly, but more bigger in the news is the Eagles. Eagles were in position to win this game. You know, in the fourth quarter, Eagles are trailing by three. Jalen Hurts was having an okay game up until that point. Nothing spectacular, 72 yards and one interception. Um, you know, playing well enough to to put the Eagles in position to, you know, have a shot at winning the game. Uh, Doug Peterson benches him for Nate Sudfield. Um, really big question mark. Nate Sudfield steps in. Who apparently, I have never seen Nate Sudfield play before in my life. I have to, I have to, you know, be admit that, admit to that. And according to my group chats, he has been decent in the past. Watching him in this game, not Sud, Nate Sudfield, he is not an NFL quarterback. He could not read the defenses. He, he threw like he had a noodle arm. A lot of questionable passes. I think I already mentioned that, but his scrambling technique was pretty bad. He, he tripped over himself. He looked like an absolute mess. And it became pretty evident that the Eagles were were trying to tank this game. And it, it blew up in the news, obviously. You know, how could you tank this game? You have a team like the Chargers who are pretty much playing for nothing. And Anthony Lynn's probably the last game of the team. You know, they tried their butts off and they won. Um, and that goes for a lot of teams that really aren't in playoff spots. You know, it's kind of disrespectful to the game of football to throw away the game. And I'm trying to remove my Giants bias out of that because, you know, obviously if the Eagles won, the Giants would have been in the playoffs. Just throw away the game like that is pretty, pretty embarrassing. And it just... I think it really hurts the Eagles at the end of the day because, yeah, you moved up three three spots in the draft where you went from nine to six. But what good does that do when your players who were all putting their their bodies in the line, they were all into that game, you said, screw it, we're throwing away for the for the good of the franchise. You know, a lot of those guys are fighting for contracts beyond that. You know, that they're they're out there, you know, somewhat risking their health because of COVID. And you just kind of say it's a throwaway game. I think a lot of the Eagles Eagles players did not react well to that. Miles Sanders came out publicly and said he was displeased with it. I don't blame them. I think this might be a move that loses the, the trust that the players have in Doug Peterson, and that could be detrimental to the Eagles' success in the future. And it's really bad for them on top of what happened with Carson Wentz um, and, that, and them trying to move him possibly over the offseason because it seems like he's requesting a trade. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are going to retain Zach Ertz. This Eagles franchise is in absolute disarray, and it, I think Jalen Rager didn't perform that well this year. I think he his lack of effort really showed. I think, he, he, I think he's talented. But I think he shows a lack of effort and interest in the Eagles franchise a lot. I just really dislike what this Eagles team is at, and I just I really dislike that they they kind of threw this game. You know, I keep saying it, and, and all of my friends, all my group chats, that the more and more teams, I think the Jets kind of did it with with Greg Williams earlier in the year. To, to be fair, they wind up firing Greg Williams. Are the Eagles going to fire Doug Peterson? I feel like that'd be somewhat of the appropriate move. Um, we'll have to see if it happens. I, I don't think it will. But you know, as long as NFL teams keep tanking and it becomes obvious. You know, it's going to move the NFL towards the NBA system where you have a lottery pick, lottery pick system where you, you know, the bottom tier teams all go into a lottery and then somebody else get, you know, somebody who is the eighth ranked last team gets the first overall pick. And, you know, we've seen how it affects the, the NBA lottery. A lot of people are not a fan of it. You know, us coming from New York, 
you know, I'm not a, particularly a Knicks fan, but just watching the Knicks get like, you know, the eighth overall pick this year when they were probably by far the worst team in the NBA last year, if not one of the worst, um, it really hurts them. And I, I just don't want to see that system personally implemented into the NFL. But when you do stuff like this, you get closer and closer in enforcing the hand of the NFL to say, we have to do this because you're, you're purposely tanking it. It's obvious. Um, I'm just, I'm really disappointed in the Eagles, obviously. And again, beyond my Giants bias. So, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to play the other side of this argument because I think that it's, I think what the national media has been doing about this game has been completely overblown. And Max and um, Alec, you guys can like agree or disagree with me on this after I kind of say my whole part. But I honestly think that the national media as a whole has been really pearl clutching about this when in reality, it's like nothing crazy that's been done out of the ordinary. I mean, like, Nate, Nate Sudfield, like we knew before the game was going to play, like the, the timing wasn't great. I can admit to it like it, at the end of the game, but they weren't leading in the game anyway. And they were putting somebody else in and Jason Kelsey admitted during the, after the game during on Instagram, that it was a bad snap, which led to Nate Sudfield's fumble there. So, you know, you get, you get rid of that fumble, you, you know, the interception, which was just like, which was overthrown a little bit. Sure. But let's just say those two things, those outcomes changed, right? You're looking completely different at what Nate Sudfield did. It's those two plays that really hurt him. His contract was expiring too, and he was on a team at four years as a backup already. So Doug Peterson wanted to get him some actually NFL reps to see what was happening with him because up to this point, Jalen Hurts was seven for twenty for seventy-two yards on an INT. Granted, two rushing touchdowns, but seven for twenty for seventy-two yards at the beginning of the fourth quarter when he got benched. Um, I mean, if Carson Wentz had that stat line, you hear the national media talking about why didn't they play Jalen Hurts? Why didn't they play Jalen Hurts? You know, this entire time. But you know, they punted on every single drive in the third, and I get it, like. It, it, some of the plays, especially bringing in Nate Sudfield and turning over on downs on that one play when they should have kicked a field goal, they looked like they were tanking. But I think it was less about trying to lose and more about just not trying hard enough to win. And what I mean by that is they were not intentionally trying to lose the game, but they were trying out different things and not worried about the outcome of the game. So they weren't saying Nate Sudfield's play completely terrible and just completely throw the game on a higher pick. They just wanted to see, okay, Nate Sudfield, you're not great. We know that now we now have to worry about getting a backup quarterback in the offseason as well once we trade Carson Wentz. So you have Jalen Hurts and now you have a question mark at backup quarterback. They need to figure that out. So it was a meaningless game for, for meaningless game for Philly. And the, the only issue that really makes it that is that it was on national television. Like if this was a 1 p.m. game, I literally don't think anybody would have cared about this at all. And if you're a fan of the Jets or the Jaguars or any team and you're of like that caliber, maybe the Falcons this year. And you're like, oh my God, like we have to lose this game. Why are the Jets winning this game? Why are the Jets winning this game? Why are the Jaguars winning this game? We have to lose these games. Then you really have no like argument to stand on if you complain about the Eagles doing the same thing, which I don't even believe that either of those teams were tanking. You know, the Greg Williams thing, that was something that he did in the past. Like he did that as, as the Browns defensive coordinator against the Broncos a couple of years back. There's a clip of it and it worked and he just stuck with it. And that's, he's a very high blitzing DC. You know, that's just kind of what he does. And he stuck with it and it blew up in his face and it was a terrible call then. And obviously it failed and he got his job fired for him. So I don't think that this is going to get Doug Peterson the same result though, be just based on the fact that I think that he has a little bit more uh, staying power than Greg Williams. I think it was just kind of an excuse to get rid of him. And the only person that really has come out and been like, like, what's going on is really Miles Sanders. I mean, everybody else has seemed like they understood Nate Suffolk was coming in. They might not have agreed with the decision, but they stuck by it. And they told him that we're going to give you your all and we're going to try our best for him. So, yeah, listen, I mean, like, I, I really think that this wasn't that big of a deal. And I think it was more blown up in our local area because of the fact that um, 
we are in a New York sports media. And honestly, uh, just to all New York Giants fans out there, if you're six and ten and you're worried about the four and eleven Eagles beating the six and nine Washington Redskins, then maybe you should have won the Bucks game, or maybe you should have won the Rams game, or maybe you should have won, you know, all these other games that you lost by like one score. Maybe that would have helped you actually get to the playoffs beforehand. So that's all I have to say. I'm going to add to that. You know, when you look at teams tanking, I feel like it's this happened this whole year. Like, look at the Jaguars. Look at them starting Mike Lennon a bunch of games. You know, and benching, they they make it clear that Gardner Minshew is healthy. They're just not starting. But when you look at the two when they play, it's night and day difference. You're telling me the Jaguars didn't want to lose that game. And also, when you look at the look, – look at the Dolphins – Last two years ago or last year, whatever it was, when they came out and pretty much said, "Yeah, we're not playing to win a bunch bunch of games this year," like why didn't they get ripped for that? Honestly, I, I think teams have done this before in the past, and it just hasn't been blown up like this. And but and also, I'm not gonna say it's okay to go into a game and just throw it away purposefully and make it obvious. But when if teams really want to lose the game to get a better draft pick, I can't say I blame them. If I'm an organization. My team's not going to the playoffs. I care more about getting a better draft pick, personally. Uh, I completely agree with that. I mean, that's why, Nick, what you said about the lottery system coming here, I don't want that, right? I'm a diehard Knicks fan. I don't want it. But the thing is, the National Football League has not ever really reprimanded this to any extent. So to put in the system as a way to reprimand them. I don't like that. Like take away a draft pick or something to send a message. No, I don't want to go down that route. Right. So by doing that, I think teams would back off a little, Oh, you're going to take a draft pick from me. That's not worth it. Right. So it has to be harsh in that sense. I don't want that to be done in theory, but it's something that needs to be threatened on the teams in order for this to not happen because it does, it takes a fall to the, the integrity of the game and we just can't have that. Like, I'll let Nico first and I'll finish actually continue. Nick, what you're saying. Yeah. I just wanted to say that like, I, I agree with you guys. It's like, it's something that has been done before. Don't get me wrong. Where tanking is tanking. Right. I just look at it as well, the Jaguars kind of did it systemically where it's like, we were not going to win the season. So we kind of did it. We put, tried a different quarterback from the get go. I just see it as we came into this game to be competitive. And because of the result, we're, we're, we're going, you know, we didn't have a clear shot at winning or losing. I just feel like, they were going to be competitive in that game. And they kind of decided to throw it away just to get the draft pick. And I, it's kind of the fashion in the way they did it that I'm not really a fan of. But I totally see your point in that, you know, it's been done before. It's nothing spectacular. And I, I, as Alec had said, you know, if there's other steps in, in front of the, the lottery system. I just think that's where it ends. If it becomes really obvious like this, where it's, where it's like you do it in, in the middle of a game and you just pull a guy. I don't love it. Where I, you know, obviously the, like the Mike Lennon situation, obviously tanking um but it's just i don't feel like it's in the same fashion but i definitely do see your guys point yeah i mean just i'll just wrap my final point up which i was trying to think and i get what you're saying where it's frustrating as a giants fan right to see this like you're like oh my god my team lost but or my team at least didn't make the playoffs but i mean before that right yeah think in the mind of doug peterson right you know you're going to the 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 third quarter you know you're down 17 to 14 right 
and you get three play punt, three or eight play punt. And then by the time you get to the Washington 15, you try to go for it on fourth down, try to at least put the game away. Cause you're like, if I score a touchdown here, the game's over, you know, I just get the, I can keep the lead and I can just kind of grind it out. You get a turnover on down. You're like Jalen hurts is not doing it for me. He completed less than half of his passes for less than a hundred yards. Uh, I, I just, I need to try something. I promise Nate Suffolk will get some time. So we're just going to try to get some time, see if we can get a spark to the offense. If not, it's whatever. So, I mean, I think tanking is going to be an issue for the NFL if teams are actively like throwing games and I'm talking about like, like, like actively like, okay, like this player is like, we're getting rid of him. Like by far, like it's like Aaron Rodgers, right? And we're like, we're, we're not starting Aaron Rodgers for the entire season. We just want to get a very low draft pick. We don't like our thing. That's when I think it's an issue, but really now, like this is just like a, a game where they're trying to evaluate the quarterbacks, which honestly, like, Jalen Hurts is like not a very big step down from Nate Sudfield. I know that like it seemed like in this game, but they were they're not like they're not crazy good quarterbacks. They're not like we're benching benching Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Kaiser or anything. You know, it's like like where's all this outrage if if Carolina decided to like shut down um Christian McCaffrey for the entire season despite him being healthy? Like what if they were like I know there was talk of when the Carolina Panthers were looking to be like 0-7 or something like that, people were thinking when they were 0-4 at the time, they're like, oh my God, we're gonna be 0-7 without Christian McCaffrey. We need to just like shut him down for the season. Just make sure he stays healthy. Like, is that not tanking? Is it like, like at what point are we drawing lines now? Like for like for NFL personnel to like just make decisions and try out different things. Like that's just kind of where I am right now on this. And I think it's like nothing special. I think it, you're more of an issue. Like I said, if if you have like an Aaron Rodgers type player or some sort of like elite player where like we're not playing him for the most of the season, just be, even though he's healthy, just because uh, we want to get a higher draft pick, you know. And it's like it, I, I think it, if it's a more managerial like point down thing of how Roseman was like telling him like we need to do this I think that's when it's an issue and I guess with that being said that wraps up our podcast I don't think anybody else has anything to say no it's been a fun couple weeks with you guys trying to go with these NFL games and I'm really excited to do the playoffs (laughs) finally we got all four of us together I know right yeah it's been a while took a while yeah yeah for sure so uh I guess not to miss any words uh, we'll see you guys on Friday for our playoff predictions. This is going to be really good. Um, should be a nice, short and sweet podcast. We really get to the beat and the bones. Not a lot of games, big games in the line. It's going to be a good podcast. Definitely, uh, definitely come back to watch that one. Uh, that being said, again, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the NFL Universe. If you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my email at NicholasCorvath10 at Yahoo.com. Uh, if you guys have any interest in writing or working or whatever it is, editing, uh, for the sport universe, uh, feel free to contact us at the sport universe, uh, uh, 2019 at gmail.com. Um, other than that, again, thank you guys for listening. See you guys on Friday.